When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It's been another incredible 24 hours of news. Uh, late yesterday afternoon, early part of yesterday evening, uh, you would have uh, seen that uh, the Hugh Edwards story took another turn uh, because Hugh Edwards, the name that had been all over social media, the name that had been on everybody's lips inside the BBC, uh, even the BBC had said that they knew exactly who it was, but they weren't revealing the name. Uh, Hugh Edwards' name was revealed uh, by his own wife, who happens to be in the television business as well. She's called Vicky Flynn. Uh, she actually is the editor of the uh, Peston show on ITV, which went out last night. Uh, and if you'd watched that last night, you might have thought uh, that Hugh Edwards uh, was, of course, the victim in all of this. Uh, he has been taken to hospital. He is now suffering a mental health crisis, according to his wife. Uh, so obviously, you know, everybody will feel sorry for him in that way. However, there are other people who will say uh, he has got himself into a situation uh, that perhaps he should not have done. And it may well be that he should have been prevented from getting himself into that situation by his employers, the BBC, because the spotlight now shines very firmly on the BBC, because a lot of people asked a question yesterday. What if... And it's two questions, really. What if his wife had not made that quite courageous decision uh, to safeguard her own family and their children they have together uh, by actually revealing his name and by telling us that he had, in fact, been admitted to hospital? Uh, he's suffered from depression in the past. He's now suffering uh, another mental health breakdown, it would seem. Uh, and so uh, we leave him to that until he recovers from that when he says he's going to answer the claims that have been made against him. Uh, what we don't know, though, is how many more claims will be made against him because the BBC continue to investigate. The police have said that they are not investigating him for any crime. They don't believe any crime was committed, but I'm not sure how they can say that given that they don't know all of the things that might have come in to the BBC's inquiry, but that remains to be seen as well. We'll be talking about all of that this morning. Oliver Whitfield Mirchich is down at Broadcasting House for us. We'll go to him. Candice Holsworth here. Isabel Oakeshott is here as well. Uh, we'll be also be talking to Mark Bukowski. Rod Little uh, will be giving us his uh, point of view on that and many other things as well. Don't forget, we've also got the first day of a five-day doctor strike going on. The NHS is now going to be under severe pressure. If you're one of those people who was expecting an operation in the next five days, I'm sorry, uh, you're out of luck. You won't be able to get it. And good luck getting it rescheduled as well. Because when they do come back, these junior doctors who make an average of £128,000 a year, uh, they will be joined on the picket line by the consultants. That's right, a two-day consultant strike. The consultants make even more money than the junior doctors do. It's an absolute travesty. It's an absolute shambles of a situation. And of course, the government is quite right not to give them the 35% pay rise that they are asking for. Anybody who thinks that they can do that must be, quite frankly, off their rockers. 0344 499 1000. We'll be talking uh, as well about mortgage hell, more mortgage hell for people. We're talking about migrant hotels as well. We're going to be going down live to, uh, to Wales, uh, where the plan to put a load of migrants in a particular part uh, of that, uh, that country is now not literally going ahead because the locals have been complaining, the locals have been demonstrating, they say we don't want it, and it looks as though they may have won quite a major victory. We'll also talk to Henry Bolton, of course, the international borders expert, to get his view uh, on the latest situation. Oh, 344-499-1000. Stephen Dorrell here, former chair of the NHS Confederation, uh, former Secretary of State for Health as well. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Let us get it on. Once again, the major story dominating all the front pages this morning uh, is the revelation that uh, Hugh Edwards' wife did, in fact, out him uh, as the person who was the, at the centre uh, of all the inquiries into the uh, allegations made by a family uh, who said that their 
child had been approached by Hugh Edwards um, and the police uh, were involved. The police now say they're not involved, uh, but they may well be again. Uh, the situation uh, escalated because the first complaint was made on May the 19th. Nothing was done about it by the BBC, it would appear. Nobody found out uh, that the complaint had even come in until last Thursday, a week ago. That was when Tim Davey was uh, told about it and that was when Hugh Edwards was told about it. It then took about five, six days before his identification was made public and in the meantime he was admitted to hospital. The BBC uh, made it possible for speculation to be out on the social media that all manner of different people could have been the culprit and the whole situation has been handled incredibly badly by the BBC and even now they are still revealing that many people at the BBC were approached um, in a way which they didn't want by uh, Hugh Edwards who would send inappropriate messages with kisses attached to them late at night. These are things that the investigation will continue to look into. Let's go down to Broadcasting House right now, live with Oliver Whitfield, Mirchich, Talk TV's reporter, who's been down there pretty much every day this week. Ollie, a very good morning to you. Um, we know the investigation is continuing. Um, what do the BBC hope to find out over the course of the next few days and weeks? Well, the first concern for the BBC is the health and well-being of Hugh Edwards, their star news presenter who last night was revealed to be that person right at the centre of these allegations. That investigation now having a two-pronged approach because they are going to be looking at the complaints procedure itself, whether it raises red flags quick enough to BBC management, the speed in which the BBC's own investigation team had managed to get in touch with Mr Edwards. Also, the number of attempts that was made at trying to get in touch with the parents of the first young person. But it is also now going to be looking into Mr Edwards's conduct. So whilst the Metropolitan Police say that they have found no criminality, there is still the potential that there has been misconduct here at the BBC by Mr Edwards. BBC News reporting that three staff members, two who are current workers, one who has already left the BBC, have had their concerns about text messages and messages that were sent, some of them late at night, some of them allegedly flirtatious. So that is what this investigation will now be focusing on. And so as far as the length of the investigation goes, um, do we know whether they're prepared to say how long that will be? We haven't had any further information from the BBC on that. We have submitted detailed questions over the past five days. Every request that we've put in for information has come back pretty much blank, apart from on Monday when we were sent the statement from the night previously but we do not know how long this investigation will go on for they have been urged by various media analysts to take their time with this investigation not to rush it mm. to make sure that they get everything right one would imagine that they are going to have to place that duty of care to Hugh Edwards first to make sure that he is okay remember he is in hospital at the moment having suffered a serious mental health occurrence according to his wife and so they will not be able to speak to him until I suppose that has all wrapped up and he is back to his fit and proper health. Thank you very much indeed. Oliver Whitfield, Miacic, Talk TV reporter, uh, live from Broadcasting House there. Let's talk now to Candice Holdsworth, writer and commentator, uh, because this, the story that has been shocking Britain uh, was even more shocking, I suppose, for a lot of people last night uh, when the name came out and it turned out that it was Hugh Edwards. Candice, uh, good morning to you. Um, morning. We hear a lot about the uh, duty of care now that the BBC owes to Hugh Edwards, but it would be right to say, would it not, that they also owe a duty of care to an awful lot of people who appear to have been the subject of his interest, uh, perhaps unwanted interest, uh, during the last few years when they were working at the BBC. Yes, I mean, that's like the big new development now, which was, was covered on Newsnight, that there are colleagues of his coming forward and alleging that he behaved inappropriately to them, which I think underlines the fact that this is a genuine story. It is a significant story. People have been wanting to dismiss the story, saying that whatever takes place between consenting adults is of no interest to the public. But I don't think that's quite true. If there is a situation in which someone very high profile in a position of power may have been misusing that position, and I'm just speaking theoretically, allegedly, not saying it did happen, 
then that is worthy of investigation. It might not rise to the level of criminality, but it can still be inappropriate. And so then an organization must investigate it. And that's very, very, very important. I remember a few years ago, Louis Theroux did a good program on this about what happens on university campuses when there are these sorts of disagreements between students. It's not something that the police would necessarily be interested in, but nevertheless, the behaviour is wrong and it needs to be dealt with. Well, that's right, because at the end of the day, the BBC is going to have an awful lot of questions to answer here, particularly uh, questions that need answering uh, in the news department. And there are two women whose names have not really been mentioned in any of this. There's Jess Brammer, who's the editor of BBC News, and Deborah Turness, uh, formerly the head of news uh, and current affairs at NBC in America. Uh, she's head of news and current affairs at the BBC now in charge of 6,000 journalists. Now, you can't tell me that neither of them knew that there might be a problem with their main news presenter sending messages inappropriately to people, um, particularly to young people, um, in, in a, a sort of a habitual manner. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, BBC staff are very unhappy with the way that this has been dealt with because it's bringing their organisation into disrepute. I mean, they should have known that, the, that when they were first approached by the parents of this child who came to them to ask them to deal with what they saw was a, a, a damaging relationship to their child and alleging that certain things had happened when their child was underage. They should have known from the experience of Jimmy Savile and then obviously all the huge interest in what happened with Philip Schofield, that this could be a huge story and a damaging story. And so it needs to be dealt with very quickly and very efficiently. And it just seems like that didn't happen and that they underestimated just how much people would be shocked by this, would be interested by this, and, you know, possibly the extent of it as well, because obviously new people have come forward and alleged that things have happened. Yeah, absolutely right. And and the investigation, in a way, uh, we don't know how long it's going to go on for, uh, but they're kind of, you know, if, while people on the woke side of the news business complain uh, about tabloids dis exposing, you know, terrible things that they shouldn't have exposed, meanwhile, the BBC is exposing even more every single day. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, to sort of frame this as the BBC versus the tabloids is wrong because the BBC itself and BBC journalists themselves clearly see this as a legitimate story. And I think I think that reveals more about the people saying that. I mean, mm. their, their disdain and their distaste for, for certain newspapers, for certain media. The fact of the matter is that this is a highly complex story. You know, it yes, there may have been no crime involved, but I think that, that what's being alleged is of interest to the public because obviously the person involved is so high profile and they are funded by the taxpayer. And of course, they have to maintain a certain image uh, presenting news in the way that they do. So it absolutely is of interest. You know, some people might just see it as gossip, as he said, she said, but I don't think so. I, you know, especially when, you, when we're talking about abuses of power here, you know, that is something that people are interested in and do want to know about. I mean, I haven't liked the witch hunting that's taken place on Twitter. Absolutely not. There was a total Salem atmosphere last weekend. I mean, lots of people w were being wrongly accused. That I don't like, that, that I disagree with. But I think the story itself is a legitimate one to have been um, published again, by the I would, Sun. I would, and it is I would worthy lay, of investigation. Yeah, but I, again, would lay the blame for that solely at the door of the BBC because the BBC has a duty to convince um, Hugh Edwards in that particular case uh, that the name will come out eventually. It might be better to have the name out there sooner rather than later. And um, that would have stopped all of that because as a result of not doing that, uh, they allowed the story to kind of run away with itself and take on a life of its own. Um, and so, you know, eventually it was Hugh Edwards' own wife who decided to, to tell everybody it was him in order to kind of stop the outpouring of, of, of uh, what they saw as unnecessary targeting, you know. And, and so that has been the case. And, and the BBC probably sitting back and not knowing what to do and kind of, uh, you know, being, being sort of paused like a rabbit in the headlights hasn't helped. No. I mean, this is what Jeremy Vine said, and he was highly criticised for it, that perhaps now is the time for the person to name themselves because it's it's attracting so much negative attention. There's huge amounts of speculation. But he did say it's their decision and their decision alone. I can, I can understand why he didn't want to name himself, because he knew that hellfire was going to rain down upon him. But at some point, it obviously was going to come out. So it was better to, to do it sooner rather than later. 
and you know his wife is is, is the one who has done it um i feel very sorry for the family for her and for the kids it, it must be pretty terrible i can't imagine how difficult it yeah, must be for them right absolutely now. it must be dreadful uh stay with us if you will candace we've got other stories to talk about of course as well this is the independent republican mike graham uh, back after this the home of common sense talk radio and talk tv Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking to Candice Holdsworth, writer and commentator. Angela Rayner has put her uh, two pennies worth into the ring on this one. Uh, she's been talking to Times Radio this morning and she says that the BBC uh, need to make it, make sure that they've got a very transparent complaints procedure. Uh, every workplace in the country has policies and procedures that deal with these issues, she said, but people have to have confidence in the processes. The problem is whether people have confidence to come forward and when they do come forward, are they going to be treated fairly? So I think there's going to be a lot of political pressure now on the BBC, isn't there, to make sure that, that whatever they have done in the past, which appears to have been done wrongly, they can now fix. Oh, yes, yes. I just wonder how much of it is to do with being this enormous institution yeah. um, with so many levels of management um, that it's difficult to get things in front of the right people. Um, you know, for instance, you know, Tim Davy. I don't think he was even informed that there'd been this complaint against one not of until, his... Not until know, last Thursday, no. Yeah, one of his most highly paid presenters. I mean, that's a huge thing. But no one had told him about it. I mean, they absolutely should have escalated that complaint as yeah. soon as possible. Well, also nobody had told Hugh Edwards. Hugh Edwards only found out on Thursday as well. I know, that's terrible. So, I mean, as soon as a complaint comes forward, something very serious like that, obviously the person who um, is, is, is being accused of whatever, they also need to be informed of this as well. Otherwise, there's an investigation going on behind their back. Right. I mean, more is going to come on about, more is going to come out about this. But obviously, you know, we need to know exactly what went wrong and where. And maybe there'll be things, you know, there will have just been innocent mistakes, you know, people just not thinking things through properly. But then huge learning is going to have to take place after this. It really is. I mean, you know, whatever they had in place before, they cannot have it now. Yeah, exactly right. Let's move on to uh, the doctor's problem uh, today. We've got the first of five-day doctor strikes. The NHS uh, seemingly crippled uh, from within, if you like, because now the waiting list will probably grow even longer as people yeah. who were supposed to be getting operations over the course of the last sort of uh, uh, five, in the next the next week or so won't be able to get them because when this one finishes, there's another two-day strike from consultants. I don't think the public is uh, behind this one, do you? No, absolutely not. I mean, as so many people have said, and as I think as well, you know, practicing medicine is a vocation. I mean, you're taking care of people in the most vulnerable time of their lives. Yeah. And I don't think that you can just withdraw that care. I mean, when people need an operation, for instance, if they're in chronic pain, it ruins their life. I mean, I had a very close family member who for years was waiting for a knee operation. I mean, she became really depressed, actually, mm. because she couldn't carry out just normal everyday activities because of the terrible, terrible, terrible pain she was in. And she had to push for an operation. And when she got it, her life was transformed. And there are so many people like that now waiting for those sorts of operations. And, you know, also what we do know as well is the fact that mental health care is so poor on the NHS. Mm. That's contributing right now to so many people being out of work yeah. after the, the pandemic. You know, I always say to people, get private health insurance, even if it's just for the mental health coverage, because so many people will suffer things like depression or anxiety in their lives, but they cannot get the care for it on the NHS. And paying out of pocket is just too expensive. And you just think, this is not what you should be expecting from a health service mm. in one of the world's most highly developed countries. I mean, we should be able to do better. There was a nurse this morning on Talk TV who was interviewed about her recent experience in a hospital. And she was saying how appalling it was. And what she described did not sound first world at all. I mean, we all have stories and we've all spoken to people who have stories. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know, they're demanding higher pay. But is it actually going to improve the experience for them and for patients? Well, is that is going it. to make a difference? Well, this is it. And I always complain that they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because the system is broken and it needs to have more money put in. Well, how can you possibly say that something that gets nigh on £200 billion a year doesn't have enough money? It's got plenty of money. What it doesn't have is enough common sense and enough decent managers to actually make it work properly. Yes. Well, the thing is, Britain is not an outlier in terms of what it spends. I mean, it, it's pretty much on par with other developed countries, similar economies of the same size. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that healthcare, no matter where you are in the world, 
is very expensive, good healthcare. And you have to decide how the costs are managed. Do you socialize it like we've got it here, people pay through taxation, or do you put the onus on individuals through their salaries and private health insurance, or you do a mix of it. But we never get to have that kind of just like mature, pragmatic conversation. It's always like this. It's always evil Tories trying to destroy the NHS, and it's always striking workers versus the government. And I think what gets lost in this is what is actually best for patients. And I, I can understand how for people working on the NHS with all the staffing issues they have, it is a problem. It is horrible. I mean, I remember after I had my first child and I didn't get my pain relief on time because the anesthetist, there was one anesthetist on the whole ward and she was delayed for two and a half hours. And she actually came and apologized to me afterwards because she knew that I hadn't gotten the care mm. that I needed. And I was very grateful to her for doing that, but it doesn't have to be this way. Right. And I just feel like any any anytime anyone sort tries to to raise the issue or bring up the issue of reform, they're immediately smacked down by ideologues. Yes. And I mean, even with these striking doctors, some of them have posted on Twitter about how they think the Australian system is, is superior, but that's a partially marketized system. Mm. And I just wonder if they would even countenance that at all about, you know, means testing, for instance, your healthcare. Yeah. I don't think they would. I don't think they have a realistic idea of how much it actually costs to have decent healthcare and what it takes to run a modern healthcare system. Yes, exactly right. And, you know, it is possible, actually, when, when we are told by the, the people that defend the NHS to the to the hilt that, you know, there's no other place in the world where you get it free at the point of, of, of uh, delivery, if you like. But it's not free. The point is we pay through the nose for it. You know, something like a quarter of my income tax goes towards the NHS. A quarter of all income tax goes towards the NHS. And if you actually took that figure out of what you paid and put it into a private healthcare system, you would get very good good cover for that amount of money. And so, you know, the idea that, that somehow you know, the NHS is the only place in the world where this happens, it's not true because it's not even happening that way. And an awful lot of what people do get uh, in the NHS, they have to pay for. Yes, look, I mean, you know, other countries in the world will offer a free service in addition to a private healthcare system. And, and actually, it's very similar to the NHS system, you know, what you get in terms of in terms of your care. Look, the fact of the matter is health insurance doesn't come cheap. Uh, cheap. A close family member of mine in another country sells health insurance. And once you start claiming for things, especially as you get older and people start becoming more unwell, your premiums are going to shoot up and you're going to spend a lot of money on your medical care. That's just a fact. And, and there's no getting around that. But, you know, allow people to make that choice to say, well, actually, you know what my priorities in life are? I want good health care. I want the sort of health care where I feel the medical provider thinks about me more as a patient. You know, I have more leverage because I'm paying. Let them do that. Let us have that discussion. But we're not allowed to have that discussion. The discussion is very, very constrained um, uh, ideologically. And I think that ordinary people just you just feel so suppressed and aren't really allowed to, to talk about it in a way that no. in any other country would just be, are you providing the best service for me and how can I get it? But here, it's sort of like you have to always sort of, you know, you get lost in the mythology. Yeah. I know, of you're supposed to just put up with what they give you and if you don't like it, you can get stuff and just don't come back. Some people have even been banned from hospitals with complaining. Listen, Candice, we've got to run. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Candice Oldworth there uh, with her own experiences of NHS hospitals and NHS treatment. It's not always brilliant. I'm sorry to break that news to you. We'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later on. Right now, uh, let's go live to Mark Bukowski, uh, PR and media guru. We spoke to him at the beginning of this week when uh, the name of the BBC presenter was still unknown. Uh, let's see what he thinks of it all now since the scandal has revealed that uh, it is in fact Hugh Edwards and it was his own wife who decided to release his name uh, yesterday late afternoon. Mark, a very good morning to you. Hi, Mike. So, I mean, um, I suppose we were always going to end up in this place. Um, the BBC now becomes the focus of, um, I suppose, everybody's um, um, investigations, including their own. Uh, it's not clear exactly what their investigation is going to try to discover or what it's going to try to, what it's going to, un, un, what it's going to uncover, really. What, what do you make of it all? Well, I mean, clearly there is nothing illegal here. Um, it's a behavioural issue and uh, it's been going on in private and it's whether or not someone's private life um, is should remain private. Yeah. Uh, the question is that when you are the, 
the nation's anchor. You are the voice for things as important as the death of the queen. Um, then, unfortunately, your standards have to be different. Um, but we still really don't know the full extent of it. I mean, his wife taking control of the situation yesterday by outing him and uh, giving his name. Um, and uh, as as I predicted, um, the immense trauma for that family to face his accusations. And clearly he's talked about, you know, let's face it, Mike, you and I remember a time when being sent to the Priory was a sort of escape route from negative publicity. Yes. Um, and it was, you know, you know, sort of get out of jail free. But it was also, but it was also, it was also usually for sort of recreational drug use, wasn't it? Well, whatever it was, I mean, there were people with you know, severe mental health problems as well. But I think it's true to say, and I think we need to be empathetic to somebody who really is struggling. And he's he's done television programs on it, and people who know him talked about the sort of black dog that follows him. Yeah. Um, but the situation is, we still don't know. And I and I think that this is going to be a lot of questions about BBC procedure. Mm. It's much heavier procedure. If we look at that press conference of Tim Davy last week, I mean, it was heavily legal, and you felt that it was a bunch of takers talking to the press you know i mean the, the severity was there but also now we know that it was hugh edwards and tim davy told the nation that he had not spoken to hugh edwards at that time which i think if it's your most prominent talent what does that say it suggests to me that you have some sort of you know protective um guard around you in terms of procedural thing that actually protects you from actually knowing stuff mm. and that indicates that i hope the bbc you know can come out of this by doing all the right things now i do have sympathy when the media agenda is is driven by social um and we all want to know and they're trying to give us the sort of facts and and stay between the legal lines and keeping this guy's privacy um but i mean are the bbc's procedural um you know guidelines and how they run things good enough for an age which is driven by social media and driven by thousands of other people who've got a very public platform to give their opinion. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And I wonder about the likelihood that Jess Brammer uh, and Deborah Turness uh, are going to be out in front uh, and talking about this soon, because Jess Brammer is the editor of BBC News. Deborah Turness is the uh, News and Current Affairs chief executive officer brought in from NBC. Uh, you might remember she had a bit of a reputation over there for overprotection uh, of anchors and overprotection of of, of young uh, Mr Williams in particular uh, who got caught out in, in, in a series of lies and he was the big NBC anchor but you wonder what they knew and whether they knew anything because it seems as though there was some kind of culture going on inside of the BBC newsroom um, where young people were routinely getting messaged by Hugh Edwards um, inappropriately according to the BBC um, and they're going to find out more and more about that and you know as well as I do Mark people work in newsrooms people know things who work in newsrooms because they're journalists and they find things out and they talk to each other now you're not going to tell me that nobody knew that well the, you know again Mike this this is what I think is going to happen the facts will come out will gradually come out and we'll get a full picture. When we get a full picture, then we can, we can talk about it. And it might be a very difficult pill um, for the BBC to, to, to swallow. Mm. And of course, it always comes down to the strength of talent. If you have got a significant talent, and he is significant by, because of his pay packet and what he does, um, then unfortunately, your life isn't quite the same if you if you'll sit there you know you know delivering the sort of news you're a person that people trust and people you know he is the sort of make way of of the cadence doing the, the election for goodness sake i'm afraid you know you're you're what you are and your values in private unfortunately will seep in to your public life now libertarians might say that's that's not you know that that's that, 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 that's not the case that people should be able to do what they want in in their homes and that is something that i think is probably right as well but not when you're heralded as the the significant person so 
they get then into this sort of, you know, this mire then of actually how far do we protect people? What do we do? You know, how far do we get? The Sun obviously were compromised in what they could say, uh, what was um, interesting and what was of public interest. And so they come up with some half pregnant way of reporting this story, which, you know, as you will know, maybe back in the 80s, um, some heavier uh, editors would have pushed forward with the story. Mm. So everything about this has led to it creating an atmosphere of tittle-tattle, rumour and gossip, and everybody in the social media age has dived in, reputations have been trashed, people have been sucked into this innocent. It's been a complete and utter mess, and I don't think it's over until we get the full picture, and that's why I think everybody should be guarded and actually say at the moment, let's see what it all has to say about the way this is handled. In the meantime, there's a very damaged human being here, and my empathy is for him and particularly his family. And it must have been just horrendous. No, I'm sure. But, you know, nobody's also asking the question because, again, this becomes polarised politically. You know, and those people who detest the sun for their own reasons are blaming the sun for all of the things that have happened to him. You know, it may well be that the BBC suspended him in such a way that that was what pushed him over the edge. We don't know um, whether the BBC suspended him for the first allegations that were kept, that came in on May the 19th or whether it was something else. You know, it's not very clear. So the BBC really has to clean up its, uh, its own house here before they start, you know, hurling abuse at anybody else. Well, I th- and listen, there's some great journalists, uh, and, um, you know, they are guided by principles. You know, the freewheeling uh, internet news sites, you know, can do what they want, you know, but you face Ofcom, newspapers for episode, they're regulatory bodies, keep an eye on them, and they're very responsible journalists, yeah. you know, they do the story, that's that's what it's all about. The, the issue for me is that, you know, is the 20th century procedures still in place at the BBC? Have they got into the 21st century? And the difficulties of managing the herd, the crowd, who are baying for blood on social media. And that for any organisation is is tough. And as I said, there are thousands of influencers out there driving the story, working off the ether and not sitting back and thinking. You know, no, exactly right. You're just frozen up there for a second. Let's Let me go for it later. Yeah. Let me just read to you. I don't know if you saw Newsnight last night, but Newsnight had three individuals who complained about uh, unwanted attention from Hugh Edwards. Uh, one said this, that uh, uh, he was contacted on social media by Hugh Edwards. Messages left left them feeling uncomfortable and awkward. The messages were reportedly suggestive in nature, appeared to be flirtatious and referred to his colleague's appearance. Uh, another employee said that uh, uh, they were left with a sort of cold shudder. They claimed they had received late night messages from Edwards um, that were signed off with kisses. Um, another complainant said that we never met him, uh, but he would send messages anyway. But they also all said we couldn't, we didn't feel that we could complain to the powers that be because uh, whistleblowing procedures were not really in place. Well, that's pretty serious because that's shades of Savile, then, isn't it? Yeah. If, if people. If people don't feel they can actually put truth to power um, in an organisation, that is an issue, if that is true. Um, well, this because... is Newsnight, BBC's supposedly flagship uh, political you know, investigative programme, uh, doing an investigation into its own employees. So well, I, presume, been... I presume you have to trust <laughs> them, the don't you? That's been the most remarkable thing about it, Mike, isn't it? You know, the BBC's news eating itself mm. and actually showing its integrity, which it to do. But... Look, I mean, whichever way you look at this, this whole thing has been unedifying. It's it's not good um, for so many people involved with this. Um, And also for the general public, you know, on on feeding on, you know, half a war when it's six people in the country knew about it. That shows that the, uh, the the way things are handled legally one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now is so much more difficult for people. And therefore, it's, it shows the toxicity of fame. Um, that if you are getting a huge, you know, sort of wage packet, if you are, you know, the center of attention, um, life isn't isn't simple. You mm. can't you can't conduct yourself as much as people claim they want to be, unless you're one of these influencers who totally transparent and shows every nook and cranny of their life, and is quite happy to deal with the downside as well as the upside. And I think that's what sort of moving negativity. And I think we all, as a nation, have to think about shame. Um, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Uh, there should be no shame. And if yeah. someone, but there are supposed people- to be, in most workplaces, there are supposed to be um, safeguards in place. I mean, I was watching Piers Morgan's show last night. He was talking to a couple of newspaper and uh, former television executives who said that, you know, certainly in the US and in most private uh, media companies now, there's such a thing as a sort of morality clause, which suggests that you don't, you don't I mean, heaven forbid that you commit a crime, uh, but you also do not bring the company that you uh, represent into some kind of disrepute. It's a great day for lawyers, great day for human resources and, uh, and, and anybody in that industry. It really is. It's very, very complex these days to employ people. Yeah. Got a breaking news story, which I will leave you with. Hugh Edwards' conduct was being examined by BBC News journalists before the Sun uh, sex picks claims, according to uh, what I'm just seeing here. Um, and so it's deadline.com that's coming from Um, Mark good to talk to you I'm sure we'll be talking again Uh, I think this story is going to run and run as they say Uh, Hugh Edwards conduct already was being examined by BBC news journalists before the Sun sex picks claim Um, and of course last night Newsnight anchor Victoria Derbyshire was examining as I said those accusations about uh, Hugh Edwards conduct many 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 months and weeks before the Sun uh, made those explosive claims so we'll bring you more uh, on that revelation coming very shortly coming up though very soon uh, we'll be taking your call so please do get in touch 0344 499 1000 is the number this is talk tv on your mobile on your wavelength talk radio and talk tv good morning and welcome back to the independent republic of mike graham right here on talk tv the story is still uh, evolving the hugh edwards scandal still continues to shock uh, and dismay many people, not only in the media world, but also in the world of politics. Angela Rayner has talked this morning about how she's not sure that the BBC safeguarding uh, issues are really properly taken care of. Whistleblowers are clearly not encouraged to give information. Uh, Newsnight last night had three separate individuals who said that they didn't feel comfortable reporting Hugh Edwards to the authorities at the BBC because they didn't think they'd be taken seriously because he was such a big star. It turns out that Hugh Edwards has for a long time uh, been uh, inappropriately messaging people, some of whom he's never even met, who worked at the BBC. And as Kevin O'Sullivan has said to us uh, in other uh, forms, basically it's been well known for some time uh, that Hugh Edwards was involved in this kind of behaviour. The BBC, we are now told this morning from Deadline News, uh, were already investigating stories about Hugh Edwards' conduct before The Sun uh, even broke the story last Thursday, or sorry, last Saturday, um, almost a week ago. Let's talk now to Isabel Oakshot, Talk TV's international editor. Uh, So many questions, Isabel. Very good morning to you um, about the BBC's conduct, about how we got to this place. I said just before the news, it's it's almost a sad story, this, that that the BBC has become this organisation that it is now. It used to be a very proud and, and, and brilliant state broadcaster. I don't know where it all went wrong. I mean, any question now that this story was in the public interest should have completely fallen away. Mm. I find it astonishing that there are still people with a left-leaning anti-News UK agenda who are trying to claim uh, barefaced mm. 
that this story was somehow uh, illegitimate, that it, it wasn't worthy of public attention. Mm. It's entirely and amply clear that this presenter, who is you know widely felt to be the voice of the nation, has systematically behaved at the very best inappropriately, yeah. uh, an, an extremely questionable use of his influential and powerful position. Uh, and it is overwhelmingly in the public interest that Sun newspaper reported the story. And as each day goes past, we learn more allegations and there are more question marks over the way the BBC handled it. The truth is, of course, uh, that he was too big uh, for them to really want to uh, have to discipline. You know, he was their perhaps their single biggest star and they didn't really want to uh, to know, I suspect, mm. quite what was going on because it was very, very inconvenient. Yes. I was asking questions this morning also of two very high-profile women at the BBC. One, Jess Brammer, the editor of BBC News. The other, Deborah Turness, um, the CEO of News and Current Affairs at the BBC, who's in charge of 6,000 people. Now, she came from NBC. And I don't know if you remember the story of Brian Williams, who was the big anchor there, who made an absolute fortune, uh, was the sort of uh, Dan Rather figure, the Peter Jennings figure. He was the guy that everybody trusted in America. And he told a bucket load of lies. And he made out that he had been on a plane with Hillary Clinton flying into Sarajevo. He made out he'd been in all sorts of war zones when he hadn't been. But she protected him for a very long time before he eventually went. And I wonder whether we're seeing something similar here. Well, this is all so depressingly familiar, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of weeks since we had the Philip Schofield scandal. There are um, extraordinary parallels between these two stories where you've got a male figure in a position of tremendous public respect and admiration, a, a figure who's pivotal to a TV station's output. Uh, and many people have known that something wasn't right in the way that that figure was behaving. Uh, and yet it was allowed to continue. Mm. And I really thought that in this day and age, we moved on from that. I mean, the idea of, of anyone in a position of authority and influence sending late night messages as allegedly happened to much junior people full of emojis is just shocking to me. I, I can't understand how anyone thought that they could get away with that or why it wouldn't be taken very seriously. Right. When we talk about the young people who felt they weren't necessarily able to come forward uh, with their concerns, you can see why their, their, their fear of that wasn't entirely unjustified in the reaction uh, across social media last night to the handling of the story. You yeah. know, the reaction amongst many is, well, you know, Hugh, Hugh Edwards is a, a lovely man. You know, he's he may have some private problems, but he's a brilliant broadcaster. Uh, well, no wonder people don't come forward uh, if they think that the, the general mood is going to be, well, you know, he's a lovely man and he's a brilliant broadcaster. Mm. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. Or, or it's OK as long as he's not committing a crime. I mean, I found it extraordinary the number of people uh, who have said, well, if, it's, if he's not committing a crime, what's the problem? You know, as, as people who were on Piers Morgan's show last night, formerly uh, high profile sort of executives in media companies, most media company contracts now will have some kind of morality clause in them. They will certainly have a clause in which it says you do not bring the uh, company into disrepute in any way, shape or form. Um, it goes without saying that you don't go around committing crimes, but certainly there are things which would bring the company into disrepute, which are not crimes. I mean, this is absurd, this, completely absurd. And it was one of the first things that people started saying yesterday after the um, heart-rending statement from Hugh Edwards' wife. And perhaps we'll come on to talking a bit more about that. Uh, you know, I tweeted um, that I'm not really sure that his mental health has anything to do with the facts of the matter. Um, either he did something wrong, uh, in which case his mental health is is neither here nor there, or he didn't, in which case he should categorically, he or his wife should categorically say so. Yeah. Um, and notably, the statement doesn't yeah. categorically deny the allegations. But a bunch of people then said, well, the police have said he's done nothing uh, you know, criminal, so therefore that's that. Right. Well, 
No, it isn't because only a only a school child would think that if something isn't a even in fact even a school child wouldn't think that if something isn't technically a crime then it's not wrong. Mm. We all know from a very early age that you can do plenty of wrong things that aren't actual crimes. Right. Exactly right. And also the statement which everybody thought was going to be the end of the matter very prematurely I would have, I would have suggested from from right. the from the the, the first sort of victim's lawyer, if you like, uh, when suddenly a lawyer, a lawsuit, uh, a lawyer's letter arrives at the BBC dismissing the claims as rubbish. They didn't actually dismiss the claims as rubbish. They just said that uh, what happened wasn't inappropriate or illegal, which is not necessarily their um, judgment to make. What they didn't deny was that there was contact between the two uh, and that something had happened. And I don't think they denied that the young person concerned has a problem with addiction right. uh, and is thus, by definition, uh, very vulnerable. And when under the influence of substances, not necessarily able to make judgments that are in their own best interests. Mm. So there are many, many question marks around that particular statement, how it came about, who's paying for the lawyers, uh, really uh, too many question marks remain over this murky story uh, for unfortunately for this just to be closed and for it all exactly. to be swept under the carpet. And, and at the end of the day, it's it's all involving the BBC, which is a public entity, um, publicly run, publicly funded, government funded to some extent, and also technically speaking, um, the sort of the voice of Great Britain in many ways. You know, the way that the BBC is perceived around the world is a big part of its reputation. And I was listening again to Piers Morgan's guests last night in America, um, and Americans clearly are very shocked by what they're seeing. And in a sense, you just have to look at this in quite a simple fashion. You know, if you are in a position of huge power and influence, then there is an extra responsibility to behave well. Yes. Uh, it doesn't mean not to break the law. You, that's taken as a given, as you said. Yeah. You, know, you don't contract to say you must not be a criminal. <laughs> you also have to be upstanding. You right. know, if you are sitting there on the 10 o'clock news every night, broadcasting to the nation, uh, amplifying, for example, the government's instructions to, to lock down, um, then of course you can't be someone who breaks those rules for your own interest. You just can't be. I'm sorry. No. And you've, you've seen, you've probably, you've probably seen the video that's doing the rounds at the moment that Hugh Edwards made as a sort of educational video for, for trainee journalists because he has a role apparently at the yeah, Cardiff University Journalism School um, and he's giving sort of advice to, 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 to student journalists, if you like, on how uh, to learn to trust certain news organisations and how to make sure that you do your research and you check out this and you check out that. And I mean, it's quite ironic looking at it now, given what we know, but, you know, he's clearly got a role in influencing young people, uh, in, in representing the BBC. I mean, there's no question that what he has done has brought the organisation to disrepute. I'm afraid so. And it's about really partly, are you who you present yourself to be? Mm. Are you really um, that happily married, straightforward person who is um, has nothing to hide? Yeah. Um, because... Being a journalist is about um, being straightforward, isn't it? And being open, and, and if you work for the BBC, being uh, balanced, and all of those, all of those things. Um, and it's about trust. And if you are pretending um, to be happy families uh, and all of those things, and actually secretly behind the scenes, um, you are having highly questionable interactions with people very much younger than yourself, uh, some of whom, uh, or at least one of whom, uh, we now think to be to have been very, very vulnerable, mm. then that is fundamentally misleading to the nation. Uh, and people feel very uneasy about it. Doesn't mean it was criminal, but it isn't just a private matter because of the position that he is in. Exactly. And of course, the wokerati in our profession have been well on the way to madness, haven't they? I watched Peston last night uh, for oh. my sins. Um, and of course, um, Hugh Edwards' wife is the editor 
of that show. She wasn't in last night, apparently. But if you'd watched that show, if you just switched it on, you would have thought that Hugh Edwards was a victim in all of this and he hadn't done anything at all which was in any way questionable uh, and that, uh, in fact, it was all down to the horrible tabloids that had ruined his life. And you kind of go... And then John Sopel quoted as saying, uh, well, we now know there was no illegality, so what are you left with? Well, to be honest, I'm a bit, I'm a bit premature on that. I think that the Metropolitan Police have been very quick to decide there's no illegality, given that we haven't even finished an investigation yet. And in any case, as we've discussed, the illegality is the wrong focus of the debate. Right. This isn't, I mean, it may be about whether a crime has been committed, but let, let's shift away from that and just ask whether um, behaviour has been right and proper. Is this a fit and proper or a right and proper person for the position that they have held? And it's very hard on the face of it, and we haven't had his denials, why not, I I wonder, um, to argue that he has been uh, a fit and proper representative of the BBC in the way that he has been conducting himself. Um, And it's truly distasteful to see the hand-wringing of some of these lefty establishment types all talking about poor Hugh and so on with his mental health problems. Um, Look, we can all feel absolutely um, a human level of sympathy. I've no doubt he is in a terrible state. You know, this is a man who's had the most unbelievably fantastic career and has got a family and has clearly been trying to hold it all together for a very long time whilst fighting his own private demons. Mm. But unfortunately, that has meant basically living a lie. And because of the position that he is um, that he holds uh, at taxpayer expense, um, that lie is also on us. It is. Stay with us, Isabel, if you would. We've got a couple of other things to talk about. We need to talk about the doctor strike, the NHS, of course, as well. Uh, some NATO business, some China business as well. Uh, she is, of course, Talk TV's international editor. More from Isabel Oakshot coming next. Talk radio and talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking to Isabel Oakshot on the day, the first day of a five-day strike uh, by junior doctors whose average wage is around about £128,000. I don't think they've got the sympathies of the public. What they will be doing is making life a lot more miserable for people who are waiting for operations. Um, Isabel, I understand you had a, a brush with the NHS earlier this week. Tell us about it. Well, I wish it had only been a brush. Unfortunately, I have a very close relative who is, as we speak, in a hospital bed, extremely frail uh, and waiting for an operation. Uh, My relative was urgently admitted earlier this week. I took them to the hospital myself, uh, having been taken a week ago uh, for an urgent appointment with with a consultant. We expected at that point that... Uh, she would be admitted then a week ago for an operation. At that time, they said, oh, actually, it's not too urgent. We'll get back to you with an appointment in the next couple of weeks. Uh, A week on, uh, back at the doctors who looked at the problem and said, crikey, get yourself to hospital now. Uh, And that is where she's been since Monday uh, with an operation that has been repeatedly delayed. Uh, So in that time, uh, every day in the morning, she can't have anything to eat or drink because there might be an operation Mm. happening later in the day or there might not. And you can imagine for somebody who weighs about seven stone, not having anything to eat or drink isn't a brilliant idea. Uh, And I don't know how long this is going to go on for. Uh, What I can say on a positive note is that the nursing care has been brilliant. These are wonderful, lovely people. And, you know, I've argued many times that nurses should be paid a lot more. I don't support strikes. Mm. I do think that their work should be better recognised. But once again, uh, I'm reminded in so many ways by my personal experience of the NHS this week that this is not a service uh, to be immensely proud of. The infrastructure of the high-profile teaching hospital that she is in is quite frankly third world in places. Right. Uh, they are hopelessly short-staffed and uh, repeatedly um, doctors and nurses don't have any access to the patient's records. It is ex- extraordinary. Yeah, I've, always, I've often found that. Um, I mean, there was a time many years ago when, when my kids were quite young and one of them was in and out of hospital quite a lot um, and we had to transfer from Glasgow to Edinburgh and they'd lost the records altogether, never found them. 
you know, just because they'd had to move, because they were actually paper records. They weren't on a computer. They couldn't find them. And they physically had to start all over again. It was very frustrating. I think it's extraordinary because the government, successive administrations have tried to sort this out over the periods of 20 years. Uh, a, a basic thing in which doctors in hospitals can simply tap a computer and see what's been going mm. on with the patient's history. And the, and the problem is so obvious what the problem is, but just to uh, touch on my own experience this week, it relies on if somebody is very ill and in a great deal of pain, and particularly if they're very elderly, they're in no position to give their medical history or recite precisely what drugs they've had or are taking or what's given them a bad reaction. Of course, they can't do that. So it totally relies on somebody being with them to advocate for them and tell the doctors their case history. Um, and unless you happen to be continually up to speed with your relatives, every bit of their medical treatment, which most people aren't, then this is a very, very flawed mm. procedure. Um, and so these doctors and nurses uh, with the best will in the world are quite literally sometimes operating in the dark. Yeah, I know. It really seems extraordinary. And, and the, the easy fix as well seems to be so obvious, which is to look into every hospital trust, take down all of the jobs which are non-medical and which are really not required, like net zero coordinator and, you know, diversity manager and all that sort of thing. Because there is an awful lot of that, you know, social media, um, you know, champion, 75 grand a year, that kind of thing, marketing. Get rid of all of those or at least slim them all down and give those jobs to people who are nurses and doctors. Yeah, no, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, no resources, net zero resources should be going into celebrating Pride Week uh, when you can't actually get yourself enough together to give an elderly, frail person the operation they urgently mm. need. Mm. You know, these are bells and whistles, lovely to have if we had a great system, uh, but the fundamentals aren't there. The fabric of our hospital buildings, I have genuinely seen better in developing countries yeah. than these facilities. Uh, I never cease to be shocked by some of what I see mm. in NHS, GP surgeries and hospitals. So mm. let's sort out the basics. Forget all the net zero and the Pride Week and the diversity and inclusion. I don't care about that. What patients care about is getting the medical treatment yes. they need. That's what the hospitals are there for. And getting better. Exactly right. Um, let me touch upon Simon Case. Uh, he was uh, giving some evidence uh, the other day talking about how it's cowardly to call the civil service the blob. Uh, and he says, in fact, that uh, uh, it would be entirely wrong to categorise it as that. And he says politicians have undermined the functioning of government, not the civil service. But as one quote in the, in the uh, Telegraph says, and I think you'll like this one, uh, a former cabinet minister says, people who want to know what Simon Case really thinks about the public should look at the lockdown files where he was mocking holidaymakers stuck in hotel rooms during COVID quarantines in between organising parties in Downing Street. <laughs> I would say I would have said that it is very ill-advised for Simon Case to be sticking his neck out mm. on anything like this at this point. And his WhatsApp messages, some of them were um, pretty troubling from somebody who's supposed to be our most senior civil servant, um, very impartial, simply uh, doing what the democratically elected government uh, tells him to do. Uh, that is not what comes across from those lockdown WhatsApps. You know, he was very much somebody who plotted uh, with Matt Hancock to uh, influence the Prime Minister to do things in a certain way to make certain decisions. Uh, I'm not saying that he did anything uh, very, very wrong in a Hugh Edwards type of criminality way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his behaviour was questionable, I think. Um, and I think he was very lucky to survive. He's been caught up in a number of controversies uh, and he's hanging in there just about. And I think he should wind his neck in. Yes, I think that's very good advice. Absolutely right. And what's, what are you making of the sort of a furore or not furore around the Boris Johnson phone scenario? Because... You know, he, we keep hearing that uh, from, from certain as, uh, aspects of the left that, you know, this whole Hugh Edmonds thing is a distraction to take everybody's mind off Boris Johnson. I don't think it is, actually. Um, but his phone remains with his lawyers, apparently, we're told. Right. This is really weird. And it's on my to-do list of get to the bottom of this story. Right. 
Um, so literally this morning, I've been pulling together what I need to make a phone call to try to get to the bottom of this, because I think the reporting of it has been quite confusing to people. Um, it appears that Boris Johnson made a big fuss about volunteering his phone and then hasn't actually delivered it for various reasons and there are a number of excuses being used some of which may be legitimate and some may not be uh, but it, i am uh, very keen to try to actually get to the heart of what has gone on here um, luckily i do have at least some of the whatsapp messages that the covid inquiry wants so if push comes to shove uh, then maybe they'll have to come out in a different way and of course we've already published many of those Absolutely right. Well, Isabel, we wish you well and wish you good luck with that. We'll wait for the results of that particular investigation. Uh, Isabel Oakeshott talks to you, his international editor there. Uh, there is an awful lot uh, of weirdness around that whole story of Boris Johnson and the phone, but we'll come to uh, investigate it here as well uh, at Talk TV. Coming up, uh, we're going to be talking to Henry Bolton. We're going to take a trip down to Wales as well, where uh, local residents have been up in arms about the likelihood of a hotel, a very good hotel and a very well-known hotel being taken over by the government and the Home Office to house illegal migrants. There have been demonstrations going on there for several days. We're going to talk to Stan Robinson, uh, who's a journalist down there as well. Uh, we'll play some video. We'll show you everything that's going on uh, in the real world outside the Westminster bubble. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got plenty of time left on the show to hear from more of you. So do make those calls, please. 0344 We are the home of common sense, the one place where you get the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And what we don't give you uh, is a sort of rose-tinted view of anything at all. Uh, that's what they do. Uh, not what we do. Henry Bolton is here. Very good morning to you, sir. Morning, Mike. Um, Henry, of course, border expert. We've got plenty of migrant stories to talk about. But we've got one specific story to talk about today, Henry, and it's mm -hmm. the situation uh, that's been going on uh, down in Diffid Powys, down in Wales, where uh, there's been quite a lot of demonstrations around um, the decision made by the Home Office for yet another hotel to be commandeered. But in this case, it was actually a very well-known hotel uh, that was being commandeered. And so uh, it would appear that for the moment, the demonstrations have worked. But let's go to Stan Robinson, who's a journalist down there with The Voice uh, of Wales. Stan uh, has been following uh, the events down there. We've all seen videos, many of them made by uh, Stan, on the, uh, uh, on the Twitter feed and on uh, various other internet sites as well. Um, Stan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Henry. Good uh, morning. Yeah, hi. Listen, good to talk to you. Tell us, if you can, briefly... Oh, sorry, you've got Dan Morgan with you as well. Tell us briefly, uh, Stan, um, what the situation is. When did it start? When did the demonstration start? And, and uh, what did they want to do with this hotel? OK, so it started about 42 days ago. Really? Um, that long? Yeah, that long. Although everyone's been talking about four days and five days. Uh, but it's 42 days. I've been down there... Uh, embedded with them for 30 days and and uh, it started when um, uh, uh, suddenly uh, security guards went into the place and they they actually uh, broke in uh, by using uh, angle grinders and stealing the fencing mm. so then suddenly protesters came out and there was that they've been there ever since right and the hotel doesn't have any migrants in it at the moment but the plan was to put migrants in there right that's right yes yes well, let's have a look at one of the clips that we've got here uh, from your good self. So these are the security. They now leave in the Stradi Hotel in Penethley. Uh, Absolutely amazing turnout. And look at all these fine people. So that's uh, so that's quite a crowd you got down there, Stan. So this is footage from, I believe, was it yesterday uh, when the uh, uh, when the security people left? Yeah. So so what happened yesterday? Um, the, the, the protesters had uh, the the, the, um, the team inside had, had broken a, through a hedge, and the uh, highways department then sealed that edge right. and they put a stop and desist notice on. 
which meant that the only way out was through those main gates. Right. And that strip of land is private. So that crowd of, of local residents, basically, um, cheering as, as the car drives away, um, they're hoping, presumably, that that'll be the end of it and then nobody's going to come back because they don't like the demo. That, that's, that's correct. Yeah, I think what, what they're really hoping now is that, you know, this is all over. I think it is a long shot for that to be true. I think we, we still, there's still a long way to go. We're, I believe this is going to go through courts right. now because of that land issue. So it isn't over. And the protesters have said that they're going to be staying there right. until it is um, completely over and they know what the final outcome is. Right. So it is still ongoing. And okay. it is going to continue. Because I've seen a couple of your other videos where it looks as though the Circo, because it is a Circo organised operation, I believe, Circo seemingly giving orders to the local different powers police. Mm. It's Clear Springs, it is, isn't it? Clear Springs and Stirling Woodrow. Um, mm. It's, it's a sim similar to Circo in England, but that's right. what we've got in Wales. Oh, okay. Yeah, what, what, what happened there, actually, the, 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 the lead manager there threatened a sergeant uh, with his career if he didn't actually toe the line. Uh, and that was captured in an earlier video on, on the Friday, last Friday. So, so it, it has been a, a, a government home office down... Uh, you know, we were only following orders, command that's come through to the police. Right. It's an extraordinary state of affairs, but 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 I mean, it's been a fantastic sort of uh, uh, win for the people of the neighbourhood, hasn't it? In a way, um, because the people in um, my understanding is the hotel staff have already all been fired um, in in lieu of these mig migrants coming in and and either Taylor Woodrow or whoever operating it as a migrant hotel. Yeah, I mean the the the, the photo, uh, the images that you're showing now. That is just a, a fraction of the of the people that were supporting this, because, of course, uh, the notice that they were going was was only leaked out about an hour before. Yeah. So. So. Um, and, and the thing is, it's belligerence. It's the buggeration factor. It's it's slowing things down and it's impeding them. Mm. And, and when when the Home Office look at all these videos and everything, they're going to come to a conclusion that they're never going to operate within this building because they won't be able to effectively operate. Right. And maybe they might just go somewhere else. It's the old, you know, if you keep your car door locked, maybe somebody won't break into it. Well, I mean, yeah. Henry will come on to this. The, 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 and, and you will agree, I'm sure, uh, uh, Mike, that the issue is we need to turn off the tap. Yeah, absolutely right. And there's several taps that could be turned off. Um, and that is just one of them. So well done, guys. Good luck to you, uh, Stan and um, uh, and Dan. Thank you very much indeed. Journalists from The Voice of Wales. We'll come back to Henry Bolton in a moment. Um, but just have a think about how many other uh, how many other places around the country are being uh, looked at and taken over just like that. But the local community haven't been quite um, as strident about objecting to it. And I wonder if this is now the new way forward. Because if people do, uh, and completely and utterly peacefully demonstrate and say we don't want this in our neighbourhood, that may be the way to go uh, in the future. Uh, we'll come back with more uh, from Henry Bolton next on Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.